Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Today I'd like to speak to you about the basics of the shofar. How? Hi, and a very, very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. It's just 12 minutes past the hour of 2 in the afternoon, 14 one, two, fourteen, twelve is what the clock says. And here we are sitting just a few weeks before Rosh Hashanah, well into the month of Elul already. And of course, we've started sounding the shofar. And of course, we know that so much of the next month or so has got to do with this shofar. But have you ever paused to think about why we blow the shofar and what it actually is all about? Um, maybe what does it do for us? And um, are there instances perhaps in Jewish history or in Jewish present or in Jewish future where the shofar was sounded that might give us a series of little clues as to exactly what the sounding of the shofar is really all about. So perhaps let's uh, spend the first part of uh, uh, this show today talking about the various um, instances, the various times when the shofar was blown, and we're not talking necessarily only about the shofar appearing, being there. As we know, the uh, ram that was caught by its horn on the mountain when uh, the Akedat Yitzchak happened, let's talk about blowing of the shofar, the actual tradition, custom, law to blow the shofar, um, when and where are all of those instances in our history and at present, when do we do it and when will it be done in the future? And amazingly, there are at least 12 different times or events um, at, at which the shofar was, is and will be sounded. And let's go through them very, very briefly. And then as we unpack them, perhaps we'll see a developing theme as to what the shofar is really all about. First and foremost, we know that the shofar is sounded on Rosh Hashanah. If you have not heard the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, well, there's a big question as to whether you have done Rosh Hashanah at all. It is the most important, the quintessential part of the Rosh Hashanah day is the sounding of the shofar and the hearing of the shofar. To actually blow it is not the mitzvah, it's the mitzvah to hear it. And there we have a direct instruction in the Torah that it is a yom teruah. It is the day of the sounding of the shofar and the blowing of the shofar crowns Hashem as king. It is uh, of essential importance to our day and the shofar is sounded as we know on both days of Rosh Hashanah unless of course the um, first day is Shabbat, which does sometimes happen, not this year, of course, um, and the, the sounding of the shofar is something that everybody must hear on Rosh Hashanah. Secondly, the shofar is sounded every day in the month of Elul. Well, we began that on this last Sunday morning, and uh, the shofar is sounded throughout the month of Elul, with the exception of Shabbat, on which it is not sounded, and of course, the exception of the day before Rosh Hashanah, where once again, it will not be sounded. Um, otherwise, every weekday, every non-Shabbat day of the month of Elul, the shofar is sounded. Why? Probably to stir us to tshuva, to wake us up, to get us ready for the Yom Tov. Thirdly, everybody knows the favorite blowing of the shofar that takes place at the end of Yom Kippur. Yeah, 
that is usually taken by people as a sign that the fast is over. We have reached that pinnacle and the shofar sound uh, sets us on our path to uh, breaking the fast, to having a celebration for everything that we've accomplished on the days of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and the 10 days of repentance. And uh, what a wonderful sound of the shofar it is. That's probably everybody's favorite. Well, interestingly enough, the shofar was also sounded to herald the arrival of the Yovel year, of the Jubilee year. And so once in 50 years, the shofar was actually sounded on Yom Kippur, across the land of Israel, on Yom Kippur, once in 50 years, to tell everybody that the Yovel, the Jubilee year, had arrived and that the slaves were set free and that the land would revert to its rightful owners and so on. Number five is that the shofar was actually sounded at Mount Sinai. Now, this is recorded directly in the Torah itself. It uh, talks about the fact that there was uh, uh, claps of thunder and there was flashing lightning and there was a thick cloud on the mountain and there was a powerful blast of the shofar and everybody in the camp shuddered. Everybody was shuddering from all of these awesome sounds and sights that they beheld at Mount Sinai at the time of the giving of the Torah. We also have recorded um, sixth occasion is uh, the time of the falling down, the crumbling of the walls of Jericho when the Jewish people entered into the land of Israel and uh, having crossed the Jordan, they came upon the place called Jericho, Jericho. Joshua led his people around uh, the walls uh, seven times and with a loud noise, uh, priests carrying the holy ark, the shofar was sounded. And for seven days, this was the tradition of these hakafot that they made around the walls. And finally, the walls of the city of Jericho collapsed. Number seven, Gideon went up in battle. Um, recorded in the book of Judges, um, and um, in a battle against the Midianites. And it says there that they shattered the pitchers and blew the shofars through th- uh, thoroughly frightening the surprised Midianite troops. Um, and they then were able to fight off the enemy and drive them out of the land. Number eight is that when King David marched, into Yerushalayim with the newly recaptured Ark, the Holy Ark of the Covenant that was um, stolen, taken by the Philistines um, in a battle that uh, King David actually had lost. Um, He went and retrieved the Ark in a uh, most miraculous fashion, brought it back with much singing and dancing and shofar blowing to uh, welcome the Ark, the Aron HaKodesh, the Holy, Holy Ark, welcomed back to Jerusalem um, with the sound of the shofar. At the time that King Solomon was crowned as king, the shofar was sounded, and uh, this was instituted by King David, that the shofar should be blown, and the people declared, long live King Solomon. And it was followed by the playing of flutes and other musical instruments. Number 10 was that the shofar was used as an alarm in times of danger. The prophet Amos records that this was a kind of a siren, a lookout for impending danger um, to warn us of the trouble that may be coming. There was a time when the shofar was used on Friday afternoons to tell people that Shabbat was coming. Today it's been replaced in many Jewish neighborhoods around the world with a siren that goes off 
telling people that Shabbat is coming and that we need to be careful not to desecrate Shabbat. And finally, we will blow the shofar when Mashiach comes. It says clearly that it will be on that day. The great shofar will be blown. Those lost in Assyria and those who were exiled in Egypt will come to bow to God in the holy mountain in Jerusalem. And the horn that will be blown from the ram will be the, f- the, the, the uh, first horn of the ram was blown at Mount Sinai. The larger one will herald the beginning of the Messianic era. Be back with you right off. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. We're continuing with our discussion about the sounding of the shofar. Why it is sounded, what are the various reasons, and uh, just before the break we gave 12 different instances, past, present, and future, of when the shofar is blown. But perhaps we will just spend some time analyzing the three that um, are the most important to us, or the most pertinent to us um, over the next few weeks, and that is the blowing of the shofar in Elul, the blowing of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, and the blowing of the shofar, the sounding of the shofar, at the end of Yom Kippur. And perhaps thinking about what they represent, we may have a very, very good, wonderful, and important analysis as to why it is that the shofar is actually sounded and what it actually does for us. Now, if you ask the average individual why it is that the shofar is sounded in the month of Elul, you'll have, I guess, a number of the following reasons. Number one, the shofar is meant to wake us up. It um, is uh, kind of an alarm clock um, that we have set that when it comes to the month of Elul, we need some kind of a timely reminder of the fact that Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are coming, that we need to do tshuva, that we need to start with our repentance program, that we need to be working on getting a little closer to God and to godliness so that we are well prepared um, when it comes to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And this idea of this awakening is actually the feeling, I guess, that we get when the shofar is sounded. It makes people quiver. As we mentioned in one of the other reasons that makes us tremble a little bit. It uh, shakes us up uh, quite a lot and gets us into the correct emotion, the correct emotional state, I guess, for um, all the things that we need to do in preparation for the coming uh, high festivals. And therefore... The shofar sounded during this time is really this constant reminder of the fact that we're getting ever closer to Rosh Hashanah. But if we go back to why it was that the shofar was originally sounded on in the month of Elul, it seems to be that um, the shofar was sounded on the day that Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moses went up the mountain for the third and final time, which we spoke about last week. And when he came back with the uh, completed Torah, the one that lasted until today, that has lasted forever, the Torah that um, God gave him a um, second time round, because remember, he had smashed the tablets, he hadn't allowed the Jewish people to accept the Torah first time round, because they were worshipping the golden calf. There was a period of tshuva, of repentance, that followed that, and then the ascent up the mountain for the third and final time in order to bring the Torah to the Jewish people and show everybody and show the world that we had been forgiven and that now the Torah was here to stay. That all started 
on Rosh Chodesh Elul. And it was on that day that Moshe Rabbeinu ordered the sound of the shofar, that the shofar was blown as he ascended the mountain to remind everybody of the fact that um, and this was the time that Moshe was going up the mountain. Make no mistake and make sure that um, you are ready and waiting when he returns in 40 days' time, which, of course, um, we mirror today with the commemoration of Yom Kippur. And one of the things that it commemorates and celebrates is the sign of absolute forgiveness and the fact that we have the Torah um, that God gave us those uh, thousands of years ago. But then we blow the shofar during the month of Elul to stir us to repent, to remind us not only of the fact that as then Moshe was up the mountain and that we were about to be forgiven, but that there was something and there is something active that we need to do during this period of time in order to make sure that we're not found wanting when Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur come around in a few short weeks' time. That there is this absolute preparedness and the shofar shakes us up, puts us into that mindset, gets us uh, working, it gets uh, the correct spiritual juices flowing so that we are um, in tune with everything that we need to do as Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur approach. That is during the month of Elul. The sound of the shofar, very important for us to get into that mode. When it comes to Rosh Hashanah itself, as we mentioned before, ordained by Torah, yes, of course, there is still that um, overture of um, the deep uh, shake-up and the tshuva, the repentance and so on. But um, there is also something extremely emotional about the sounding of the shofar that connects us with our past. Um, the shofar, if you take it usually to people perhaps who are elderly, and uh, which I often have the opportunity to do, um, and you sound the shofar, it very often stirs emotions. People start to cry. Why do we cry? Well, it's not only the emotion that dwells up inside us, just the sounds of the shofar, but there's a certain nostalgia to it, and there's a certain connection with the past. And when we sound the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, we are certainly saying to the Almighty, um, God, remember that we are the same people. Um, we may not have all the words. We may not know all the letters. We may not know all the prayers. But we still have this uh, primordial and absolutely deep connection with you as our forefathers had throughout history all the way back to Abraham and Isaac up on the mountain on that fateful day, those thousands and thousands of years ago. At the Akedat Yitzchak, yes, they're our ancestors. They were ready to give up their lives, literally, Avram to give up his only son, Yitzchak, to give up his own life um, on that altar on that day just because you, God, ordained it or deemed that that was what should be. And then, of course, God came to the rescue, provided the animal that was caught by its horn. And the shofar is a reminder of that long, long history that we have. We weren't born yesterday. We are not just to be judged on what happened in the last few minutes or the last few hours or the last few weeks or years or even the last few lifetimes. We are to be looked at as a continuum all the way back, and we hope that, uh, God, you'll take into account the fact that we come from a long line of um, people who have uh, been adherents to everything that uh, you have wanted from them, and therefore the sound of the shofar is this deep and profound and beautiful connection with the past um, that um, it actually does to us. It takes us back in our history. But the sound of the shofar 
is all about, on Rosh Hashanah, the coronation of God as king. Remember, Rosh Hashanah is the date on which we commemorate the birthday of man, and therefore we're commemorating creation. We're celebrating the creation of the world, and we know that as God continues to create the world every single moment of every single day, that the world is being recreated all the time, we pause for those hours on Rosh Hashanah and really celebrate the creation of man, our very, very first ancestor, who was created on this day um, of Rosh Hashanah, and at that moment, at that time, there was a um, a, a united purpose between God and man, man to be the subject, God to be the king, man to accept God as his king, God to accept man as his subject and the head of all the other kingdoms within the world, and that man kind of answerable to God as the king. There was this incredible interplay between man and God on that day all those thousands of years ago. And the sounding of the shofar, much like when King Solomon was um, crowned as king, is uh, the fanfare that comes with the coronation of a king. There need to be trumpets and there needs to be this call out. And it's not only um, all about um, the coronation of God as king, but it's also taking a uh, really, really kind of primordial um, um, instrument that is made simply out of the horn of an animal. And it is really a part of animal life that we are saying, in our spiritual pursuits, we are converting it. We are changing it. All we need to do is breathe some air through it, and it changes it into an instrument of spirituality and a spiritual service. We are able to symbolize the elevation of something that is so base and so material into something that is so powerful, so spiritual, um, and so really, really beautiful, connecting us over and traversing all these different worlds that we connect through the sounds of the shofar. And therefore, we are actually making a declaration that, God, you are king over all these elements, over my animal life and anything that I can do with it in order to elevate it and make it much more spiritual. It is um, you, God, that I am today crowning as king. And with the sound of the shofar, this is actually what I do. And then, of course, we come to the sound of the shofar on Yom Kippur. Now, many, many people believe that the sounding of the shofar on Yom Kippur is just the siren that is sounded to tell us that the fast is over. The fast is out. Um, you can now go and eat. I think that we could all be a little amused at the fact that um, really at the end of Yom Kippur, you don't need any siren to tell anybody that now the fast is over and now you can go and eat and drink. Um, why do we need the sound of the shofar to tell us that? Everybody looked on their calendar. They know exactly what time it is. It is probably the best known time um, in all of Judaism um, is the time of the end of the fast of Yom Kippur. Everybody is very, very strict to keep to that exact time at the end of Yom Kippur to make sure that we take out the fast um, at the right time is uh, not something that is uppermost in most people's minds. What is uppermost, uppermost in their minds is I've been fasting all day. I haven't eaten or drunk anything the whole day. I'm ravenous and I'm thirsty. And um, I know exactly that that is going to be the time of the end of the fast. I've read it on the calendars. I've checked it on the Internet. I know it perfectly. And... Um, even if 
the community, the rabbi, the uh, chazan, the service is going to go a little bit longer. I know exactly when they're overstepping the mark. I know if they are going to end too early, which, of course, never happens. And then the sound of the shofar comes, certainly not just to be the uh, signal of the end of the fast, although some people have got that still in their minds. It is really a very, very important part of the end of Neila. It is part of the Neila service, in fact. We are clearly told that the sound of that shofar blast that is done at the end of Yom Kippur should actually be before the end of the fast. It should be, and it can certainly be, before the fast is out, it can even be blown on Shabbat, which is something quite astounding and quite unique. The sound of the shofar um, um, at the end of Yom Kippur has a number of different reasons, and not the least of which is, one of the reasons that we mentioned in our introduction here today, and that is that the shofar was sounded every 50 years in a yovel year, in a yovel year, the yovel year being the jubilee year. Now, amazingly, if you take a look in a uh, really good Hebrew dictionary, you'll see that the word yovel actually means a ram. Now, perhaps a suggestion is that the reason why it's called the Yovel year was because the ram's horn needed to be sounded to signal the advent of the Jubilee year on Yom Kippur at the beginning of the 50th year, the Jubilee year in which slaves were um, unbound, slaves were returned to uh, their former freedom. Land was returned to its former owners And everything, the whole economic system The clock was set back to exactly what it um, was 50 years before that And what it was 50 years before that And what it was originally when we crossed over And we occupied Israel um, under Joshua In our very first advent to the Holy Land Be back with you right after this Get back to basics with Judaism 101 With Rabbi Michael Katz why do we blow the shofar at the end of Yom Kippur? It's certainly not to remind us of the fact that the fast is out. It is something much deeper than that. And perhaps the hint comes from the idea of the shofar being sounded at the beginning of the Yovel year. It is to talk to us and tell us about the redemption of the captives, about the redemption of the slaves, about the fact that land returns to its rightful owners, about the fact that this is kind of a taste, a forerunner, of the coming of Mashiach, of the Messianic era. It is the idea of us being able to feel redemption. And yes, you probably will tell me that at the end of the fast, you do feel an element of redemption. When the sound of the shofar happens at the end of the fast of Yom Kippur, it does feel very redeeming. Um, maybe our focus is just on the food and drink that we're about to partake in, or the fact that kind of a weight is lifted off our shoulders for the that we've had on our shoulders from the beginning of Elul and all the way through the Yomim Noraim, through Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and the Aseret Yom Tshuva, but then at the end of Yom Kippur, as that shofar is sounded, there's this relief, the release, the fact that all of a sudden everything feels lighter, that suddenly we're calling out Kud Yom Tif, and that suddenly we are in uh, the midst of uh, getting ready for Sukkot, Zman Simchatenu is a Upon us, and the whole atmosphere sw- switches, it changes with the sound of that shofar at the end of Yom Kippur. And that is probably exactly what it is all about. The fact that the sounds of the shofar are uh, to install an, an element of tshuva, of repentance into us. The fact that they are there to proclaim God as king, 
is really redeeming as well. The fact that we are now freed of our sins, the fact that we are living a life that's adhering much more to a spiritual life than to a physical life, the fact that we are much more involved in our Torah and our mitzvot, that we're getting ever closer to God, we have no idea just how redeeming that actually is. And so the call of the shofar is a call of redemption. The call of the shofar is a call of the absolute liberation of the uh, Jewish soul from all the shackles and all the bonds and all the things that have weighed us down and made us feel really, really physical and material and heavy uh, during the past year, the sound of the shofar is not only a call for us to move away from that, but is actually a sign of uh, the um, very, very close and impending uh, geula, the redemption uh, that is nigh. The fact that we are proclaiming God as king on the Rosh Hashanah is also uh, redeeming the fact that we know that our king is actually not um, all the things that uh, very often do govern us uh, from our uh, finances, our money, our uh, work, um, our own sense of slavery, and all the things that we hold so utmost uh, in our uppermost in our mind and so near and dear throughout the year, we proclaim God as king, and with that is the redemption as well. And so the sound of the shofar is extremely, extremely redeeming, very relieving, very, very life-changing. And that is really what the sound of the shofar is all about. To be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Says the prophet Isaiah says, and we quoted it right in the beginning, and it will be on that day. The great shofar will be blown, and those lost in Assyria and those who were exiled in Egypt will come to bow to God on the holy mountain in Jerusalem, which is a quote from Isaiah 27, verse 13. Tradition tells us that this horn belonged to the ram that was sacrificed instead of Yitzchak, instead of Isaac. The first horn of this ram was blown at Mount Sinai, and the larger one will herald the beginning of the Messianic era, according to Pirkei de Rabbi Eleazar. Now we, de Rabbi Eleazar. So now we've got a very, very beautiful link with um, the sounds of the shofar and all the things that we actually are involved in and that we do during this time. We are redeeming ourselves from the captivity of our own yetzahara, of our own evil inclination. We are redeeming ourselves from our contact with everything but the things that are of paramount importance to each and every one of us, our godliness, our God, our Torah, our mitzvot, and we are placing ourselves back into the right frame of mind, into the right stance, into the right posture to get ourselves ready for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur so that we can proclaim God as king and once again redeem ourselves from all the other things that we have made into de- dominating features in our lives over the past year. And then finally, we are Absolutely redeemed, just like the slaves that are let, let free in the Yovel year, in the Yovel year, and uh, the sound of the shofar at the end of Yom Kippur, that relief, that release, that absolute redemption is something that we look forward to. And may it please speedily come in our time with the coming of Mashiach when the great shofar will be sounded and we will be completely and absolutely free. Looking forward to being back with you again, same time, same place next week. I want to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead, a uh, wonderful week um, ahead, and I will, please God, speak to you again next week, same time, same place on Judaism 101.9.